Before we begin, just a warning, this podcast discusses child abuse. I'm Willow. I'm the CEO of Safeguarding Children here in New Zealand, and I'm passionate about preventing child abuse and ensuring that we do all we can to get children the help they need early. I believe that child abuse is preventable, not inevitable. I'm particularly interested in creating child-safe organisations. I have over 35 years' experience working with children, families and the very people in positions of trust who work and volunteer in roles of children. I'm going to be sharing my child safeguarding insights with you and introduce you to some of the incredible people I meet in my role who work tirelessly to protect and advocate for our most vulnerable citizens. I wish I didn't need to be talking about preventing child abuse. I wish that all children were safe, but sadly, that's not the case. So before you think this isn't the podcast for me, remember, we're all stakeholders. We were all children once and we've all experienced childhood. Corny as it sounds, children are our future. All of us as adults will be parents or have friends or family who are children. Some of you will be frontline workers who want to learn how to keep other people's children safe. So join me on each episode because knowledge is powerful and I know that together we will make a difference. Jadine, lovely to have you um, joining me on my podcast. Um, And if you'd like to introduce yourself and then we can go from there. Oh, kia ora, um, Willow. uh, Thank you for having us. Um, Osako, I'm the Managing Director of Osako, which is um, an acronym for Oversight Compliance. It's a company that uh, I co-founded with my partner um, and business partner and husband, Sean Buckley. And predominantly we provide services around integrity um, for organisations. So that includes reactive services around providing investigations into misconduct, code of conduct issues that organisations face, both internally and with their external stakeholders. And also uh, proactively, we provide training, we provide policy and procedures to organisations to improve the integrity um, of those who, not only from a governance perspective, but a management perspective, and also for those who work within the organisation. And essentially, it's it's to assist the organisation to meet its purpose and its mission in, a, in the most ethical way. Um, we do that both here in New Zealand and of course internationally as well and predominantly we've been working in the humanitarian sector for since 2013, so 10 years now um, doing this work. And one of the things that really interests me about the work that you do is you really your strong focus on governance because um, the work that safeguarding children um, do it's really you know what's become very obvious is that it's the it, it's it's at a governance level that these decisions need to be made and that then um, that sort of ethos within the organisation cascaded down um, and what we see repeatedly is that. Um, if, if those strong messages from a governance level are not there, then it ends up being a situation where an organisation can be like a, a rudderless ship where nobody knows what to do. They're not familiar with the policies and procedures and or those that type of thing. So if you could just um, talk to us about the importance of, of governance and um, 
I'm really interested in creating child-safe organisations. So if we think about any organisation that provides services for children, doesn't matter what it is, but anywhere where children go, it could be a school, a club, a sports club, um, you know, a leisure activity, health setting, all of those things. If you can just explain the importance of governance um, and um, how that can make a difference to keeping children safe. I mean, if we, we really go back to a core principle for everyone, right? I mean, child protection is is all of our responsibility. I mean, that's where it stems from. Um, and in, in the type of work you do and, and the type of work we see, um, essentially, from a governance perspective, it is, is one of the pillars of, of good governance, good directorship, is to... Put in policies that provide a safe environment, not only for the mechanism that you have to implement your purpose and your mission, which is your management executive level, uh, your staff, but in the case of any organisation that works with children, they're your, they're your main purpose, right? Is is It's essential that you keep them safe. So... If the governance entity, whether it's a board or a, a director or directors, aren't setting the tone from the top, then it's going to be really difficult to understand what it is you expect of your management, your executive or your middle management to ensure that any policies around child protection are being implemented correctly. And the problem we see from, from our organisation is that Organisations start to look at their policies around child protection, their systems to ensure that children are safe, when something's already happened. Yeah, you know, no. then it becomes a then it becomes a priority. And we see that as well that people contact Safeguarding Children for help and assistance once they've been what I call burnt, um, and and until that point, quite often they're not interested. It's almost as though it's something that happens somewhere else or to other people's children and I find that really distressing because at the point at which they step up and um, um, you know accept their responsibilities harm has usually occurred in some way and so yeah it, it I find that really really difficult that um, for me it should be that children matter that much that they there's a strong prevention message in there rather than the reaction which is mainly due to damage limitation for the organisation. Exactly, or, or you know, mitigating risk, whatever that looks like, and it tends to be around finances and reputation. And if if that's your focus, then you know you you've moved away from your purpose, especially when you're working with children. So, um, and I and I think also. And certainly it's been our experience, actually, rather than thinking about it, is that organisations tend to use these measures. And I'm talking, again, back at the, the board level, the um, executive management level, as a, oh, we've got to have it. Yeah. Um, and it's a tick-the-box exercise. Yeah. Yeah. But really, we're happy to, we'll spend a lot of time and effort ensuring that our accounts in an order for the end of year financials will ensure that our risk mapping around health and safety is in place. Um, but risk, and again, I go back to the you know four pillars pillars of good governance, which is a really good document that's been put together by the Institute of Directors, where 
we talk about human rights, right, um, and the uh, governance entity's responsibility to human rights within their organisation. And they also talk about ethics and integrity. And it needs to be embedded in such a way that it's actually a meaningful document and not a tick-the-box exercise. And, and it's when, again, we go back to what you see and what we see, where it's like, yes, well, for example, in a humanitarian sector, they might, might have lots of child protection officers in place who are excellent people who are really good at what they do. But again, it's been led by them. And all the responsibility for child protection is empowered in, in a small group of people. And when you've got a large organisation which has 10,000 staff that work in the most vulnerable, with the most vulnerable people across the planet, child protection shouldn't be the role of just one yeah, group of people. That's right. One of the things that's always interested me, obviously safeguarding children run training on safeguarding and child protection. And we very rarely get anybody that's at a governance level attend. So they send their staff below them and you think, how how does that work? You know, surely, you know, you've got people who are on um, boards of directors or in and school boards that, you know, they've got experience in accounting and they've got experience in other skills like HR experience, but they run governance level, you know, or meetings and have a board and there's nobody on there that has any experience or background in child protection and they're putting together policies and procedures and they review their policies and they've had no background experience in it and they wouldn't you wouldn't have a board um without financial leadership or expertise would you so i can't understand how it can be that if you are an organization that is dedicated to providing services for children that that is not top of your list and sadly it isn't well you know i'm sure you do it and i know we do if if we were to conduct a safeguarding audit of any organisation where their role is to work with children. And we found that from a governance perspective that um, those in across the board um, did not have some sort of training in child protection or safeguarding measures. I, I would find that to be a gap. Because, you know, any board should always be seeking to improve itself. And where you have gaps in, in what you're supposed to, in your strategy, and understanding your strategy, understanding your policies, then then there's an issue, right? Um, you know, look, we could look back to New Zealand recently, and and we've seen infections of or um, of misconduct around the code of conduct, where those at governance le- level, and, and you know, I've spoken about this, who haven't even read their code of conduct, let alone let alone um, ensure that it's embedded within the organisation. And the problem with that is, is if you have, and I'm, I'm sure it's from a legal perspective, an uh, entity that isn't doesn't really take its own code of conduct seriously, but is expecting its management, its executive, and its and its staff across the board to adhere to that code of conduct, then you have an issue. Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's a really good case for for if misconduct was to occur, for someone to turn around and say, well, look, if I'm a subject of this, then um, I know now publicly that uh, my own directors of our organisation don't even read the code. So how can I be expected to be held accountable for that? 
And it's the same that can be said for any organisation that works with children. If you are not, if you're not living the policy, and when I say that, if you're not managing the policy that you're expecting everyone else to follow, then when something does occur, um, and, and if it's we're talking about children, and if it occurs, then you know we're talking about something generally that's relatively serious. Then how is your how are you able to defend that? Mm. You know how is someone to defend someone saying, "Well, look, you don't read it, you don't understand it, so why should I?" I mean, you know, you'd like to think that um, people would actually, you know, as I go back to my first point, you know, it's everyone's responsibility to to um, to have care for children, whether you have children, whether you're involved in working with them or not. It's just a fundamental right for children, right? But yeah. if you're actually working in that business, you should have a good understanding of how to protect and safeguard children. It, it's um, it's common sense, again, which is another pillar of good governance. And I think the thing is, us as parents and carers and relatives of children, we just presume that those things are in place and that the people who make decisions and are in leadership, that they understand these things. And, and sadly, Jadine, we find time and time again that that is not the case. So um, we have lots of people that attend our training that are the frontline workers and they're, you know, we very rarely see anybody in these governance roles. And I'm talking across the board, I'm talking about, you know, um, school boards and you know, that you would imagine that there are people on those boards that have got expertise or an interest or have even um, taken the opportunity to um, actively seek some training about the importance of um, protecting children from abuse and neglect. And I've got a real problem with the Children's Act in New Zealand. Um, I think it really fails children. It just sets very much the minimum standards and um, the minimum standards are just not good enough. They're not good enough for my children and they're not good enough for anybody else's children. And I have this mantra that I say to people who are leading organisations, you know, what, what would you expect for your own children? And if you put those same levels and standards and expectations for other people's children, then I believe all children will be safer. It is, um, yeah, just really, really interesting. Um, the lack of um, insight our leaders in leaders of organisations have in, into this area. So um, from your point of view, from the work that you do, Jadine, what is the what is the solution? What what do organisations need to do? Um, I'm talking, you know, speak to so you're speaking to those boards or as parents. And um, what would you, what do they need to do to actually get themselves to that level? Well, I, you know, the first thing is training. There's always going to be training because, um, you know, if we're talking about the New Zealand um, Children's Act, if we talk about policies and procedures, we're very good at um, at sourcing documents to implement them into our organisations, but not necessarily um, really have a good understanding around it. You know, if it was health and safety, for example, there's quite a lot of legislation around that. If you're going to implement it, then you really do need to have an understanding of what it is you're implementing. And it's the same with child protection policies as well. So, you know, I absolutely believe um, that training 
for governance and, and directors on the board level all the way through the organisation is absolutely essential. You know, but at the end of the day, any policy, any any act or regulation, it, you know, it's a starting point. Yeah. If we're seeking just to um, meet those standards, then we're not really, it's not really our mission or our purpose. Yeah. So, so if our purpose is child protection, and if you are working in the education, if you're a school or around children out in the um, community, then really you, you don't want to just be meeting the standard. I mean, that's setting the ground, the basics. What you're trying to do is actually exceed it because then you truly are implementing behaviours which will ensure that those who you're there for whether it's children or whether it's young adults, whether it's um, vulnerable people, um, are actually going to get the best uh, service that they're entitled to or that you can do. And it's it's always been a question, isn't it, around ethics and integrity within organisations and how they meet your purpose and how they meet your mission. Um, if you just want the minimum standard, that's exactly what you get. But not everyone's going to get up to that minimum standard. What we should be striving for is beyond that. Absolutely. And then, then you have a you can honestly say and put your hand up that you've got an organisation that's going to do all that it can to ensure that when children are in my care, if it's an educational institution, they will be looked after for that entire time. Your children will be safe with me. Mm. And if you can stand up as a board and say that you've done everything you can to ensure that that's happening, then then absolutely you get a gold star. Yeah. But I'm not sure there are many who can. So, so going back to your question, then a absolutely train, get get trained, go go out and find out what it is that you need to do to ensure that your organisation is is meeting its mission, meeting its purpose, while at the same time ensuring the beneficiaries of that, which are children, are getting the best possible care while they're in your care and the best possible service. It's interesting when you talk about the health and safety legislation because people are really fearful of the health and safety legislation because they know that that can, you know, um, be detrimental to their organisation. You know, they can be shut down. They um, can be, you know, have a pause on their um, business. Um, but, you know, what happens if people don't comply with the Children's Act? And um, Safeguarding Children have actually got a petition out at the moment that's been running for a, a year or so to ask for the Children's Act to be reviewed because it is the weakest piece of legislation. There's no carrot and there's no stick. And I don't actually know what happens if people don't comply with the, with the Children's Act. There has never been anybody or any organisation that's ever... Do you know, there's been no test case or anything like that. And, and, and it's not feared. Do you know, people, I, I want children to be just as important as health and safety. And to me, it is part of keeping children safe is part of health and safety. Um, but I want people and organisations to be just as concerned about the um, Children's Act as they are about the health and safety legislation. And also when you look back, you know, when I think about within the Children's Act, the weak advice around training, it just says make provision for, um, you know, to be able to identify abuse and neglect. Yet the wording within the health and safety legislation is much stronger. Um, and I, I just feel as though that piece of legislation is doing a disservice 
to the children and young people of New Zealand and a disservice to the parents and carers and the people who work with children in the organisations. It's just, it's not good enough and it definitely needs a, a review. Yeah, I, I I agree that there is definitely a a difference between um, both acts in terms of the accountabilities. Um, the, interestingly enough, though, you know, it, it's always, you know, obviously I was a, previously um, in the police and what we found is that once you, once you overstep the mark in terms of caring for a child, it became a criminal liability. Yeah. Which, again, that becomes quite a strong stick mm. right you know we're trying really hard we, this needs to be interventions yeah. before it gets to the point where the police are involved mm. if it gets to that point you know we, we're talking about quite serious harm yeah um whatever that looks like and you know there, there is definitely something missing where and i don't know if it's been a naivety and i don't understand why that would still be the case given the family violence harm and the historical trauma that people um children have been subject to over the years you know we, we still seem to be surprised when children are harmed to the point that they're killed or they're um, seriously physically abused there are interventions which is proactive responses which is training around protection and policy that could be put in place um, now so you know I wonder where where in the act that could be firmed up you know to be built out to ensure that look if it, let's not make this necessarily a criminal act if it doesn't have to be but there does need to be some accountability if children are in your care where you are held responsible at the board governance level yeah. um, it's a shame it has to be like that mm. uh, and I wondered if that you know without going into too deep a thought around what was the thinking behind any type of legislation um, I do wonder that there is a conversation that continues and it needs to be had that, look, we are failing children. Yeah. Um, if we, at the very simplest level, are not keeping them safe by ensuring that those in governance levels, those in leadership, um, are actually taking that type of protection seriously, I mean, that's the first level response. Mm. Um so is there some accountability or responsibility that those who run organisations which service children have some sort of accountability about um, about ensuring they have policies in place? So that's interesting because I've just been reading that in the UK there is some um, legislation that's come in around people in, in governance roles uh, that are... Um, uh, you know in organizations providing services for children um and so that's just recently come in because it's been recognized that unless it comes from the top down it's not going to make any difference uh, well that's certainly been our experience not just just with children it, it's it's it, well, there's such a disconnect between the governance entity and and the actual implementant which is the organisation, the management, the middle management and, and, and employees of an organisation. Um, and and I get that. You know, you set the strategy at, at your board level um, and you're, you empower your 
um, middle management and and um, employees to to implement what what that strategy needs to be to to reach your purpose. But in New Zealand, we tend to we tend to de- sort of separate ourselves a little bit too much from the implementation. Yeah, and and I think that's part of the gaps that we see. Um, and I think that's part of why um, boards and especially when you go to trustees or of a school, for example, and you've got a lot of people who are working there, voluntary maybe, um, you know, they're trying to fit it all within their own daily lives. They're yeah. trying to do, you know, you don't join a trustees board for, for the sake of it. You you do want to to do good, um, but there's not enough responsibility put onto the trustees. Yeah. Um, to ensure that they're keeping children safe. And again, I go back to my, you know, what I said previously, we're still pretty naive about what goes on in this country or, or we bury, are burying our heads in the sand. Yeah, that's right. So if you had um, any top tips to organisations that are providing services for children, what would be your top tip or top tips around um, making the first steps um, to keep children safe there. What from the experience and you've got vast experience working with um international aid agencies, so but what's the the theme that you would say that they can the one thing they could do to make a difference today? I think the first thing they need to do is is look at what their charter is, look at what their purpose is, and then integrate that with what they're actually delivering. So they need to have a conversation with their middle management. They need to have a conversation with those who are actually working with children to ensure that what, what they've set as a strategy is meeting the, the needs of the children, right? That's, that's the first thing. Talk to those on your front line. Hmm. Find out what it is they need to ensure they can keep the children they're working with safe. Yeah, because I, I would guarantee there is a disconnect there. There always is. That's the first thing. And the second part of it is if you have got a child protection policy in place, make sure it's fit for purpose Yeah. for what you're doing and seek advice from those who know what they're doing. And if, and you know, you've got your own organized, safeguarding children, um, is a unique, or, unique organization. It's there to support companies, to support organizations, to support schools, to be able to ensure they've got good policies and procedures in place. That's right. And it's about bringing it to life, isn't it? I just get, you know, you see so much of it where it is just a tick box processed and very often to receive government funding. But when you, you know, part of the work that we do is to um, speak to the staff and we'll send surveys out to the staff. And it's that disconnect, JD, and exactly what you say between the policy and what how it actually plays out in practice and, you know, the gaps that are, are there. And, and it's it's relatively easy to to solve if that, you know, if that disconnect is, is recognised. Um, and I always believe that organisations, the answers are in the organisations and the people that are working in the front line generally have the answers, but it's just making um, safeguarding and child protection a priority. Um, Yeah, and I think, you know, as parents and carers and relatives of children, we imagine 
that um, children are priority, particularly in services that specialise in children. And I've said a couple of times when I've been speaking to organisations, you know, you, you exist purely to serve children. And if we removed children from this scenario, it'd just be a load of adults just, you know, hanging around. Yet they still, they still don't prioritise the well-being and safety of children. So let's bring it back to why you actually exist. And if we bring it back to why you actually exist, then I think children will be safer but it's very easy for organizations to actually forget why they're there and I have have visions of like you know um, organizations where there's just like groups of adults sat around a bonfire or something like that when all the children have gone (laughs) it's that type of thing or you know just adults stood around a sport match because the children are not there anymore and and they forget the reason they're there the the sole reason they exist is to serve children and um yeah it's very easy to forget about children in the middle of it all so thank you for your insights and the incredible work that you and your team do and i know the incredible work that you and your team do and and you're just a, a gem of an organization that um is in new zealand that very few people know about you because a lot of the work that you do is offshore so um Thank you for joining me and I know we'll have lots of conversations again and you've been a delight to, to talk to and um, do you know you the much. message that we've got is a, is about prevention and I know that people like you and people like Safeguarding Children and all the other entities out there can work together to make a difference so thank you. You're so welcome Willow. Okay. Thank you very much for, for having me and um, inviting me to talk on this because it is such an important topic. And again, you know, I appreciate the work that safeguarding children do. Um, and I just wish more people understood, you know, it, that this resource is here. <laughs> just, uh, you know, um, t- to improve the lives of children in this country. And, and um, no, thank you very much. Okay. And lovely to speak to you. And I'll see you again. Mata work.